that was Rolling Stones. Start me up. No better song to, to one of my ina- favorite bands, the Rolling Stones. No better way to inaugurate our podcast than with exactly. Uh, Start me up. That's um, right. My name's Chris Walker. This is Chris Devaney, and uh, we are we're co-founding partners of a public relations and strategic communications firm in Nashville and Washington called the Poplar Group, and uh, we've, we're launching our first inaugural popcast. And That's right. uh, we're excited to talk to leaders and influencers and just interesting people in and around politics and entertainment and yeah, pop culture. Trying to go a little bit beyond what you read um, in the news right? and, and kind of get a feel about where these leaders, their background, uh, where they're kind of coming from when they're making their decisions, what got them started, um, I think it's going to be really good, and, and we have uh, some really good folks that we've already interviewed. We do, um, and our first guest this on this inaugural podcast is going to be Governor Bill Lee. Uh, we talked to Governor Lee about several big issues, including his work during the pandemic, and you know our our time together with him in the state on the campaign trail, and what he's looking for towards the future of our state. What, what can we look to as we're getting around the pandemic and and really starting to focus in on on how the state can regrow and 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 rebuild from what's been a tumultuous year for everybody. Probably some news in there too, actually. I think there is a little bit of news in yeah, there. Yeah, pretty exciting. We didn't know if that I, if I was still a reporter, I would have been you know jotting it down. And... We didn't know that he was running for president. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not announce he's running for president, but uh, it was a great conversation. And and uh, you know one of the things that we really want to try to do in our podcast is is you know, try to have real conversations. We're trying to cut through the talking points and cut through the, you know, kind of the standard political dialogue of the day and, and have real conversations with these people. Because at the end of the day, they're, they're real people just like us. And, and we have the fortune, uh, the good fortune of being able to to work with a lot of them. And, and we want people to see who we get to see pretty much every day. Yeah, we're very, we're very excited about it. We are. We are. It's, and it's something new. Not a lot of people are doing this. Well, there's a lot of podcasts, but there are a lot of podcasts. we feel like we're <laughs> <That's right. laughs> trying something new. There are a lot of podcasts. We didn't invent this in this uh, medium for sure. In fact, we went to go get microphones and I was asking the guy about certain microphones and he goes, well, everybody and their mother started a podcast during uh, the pandemic. So it's hard to find some of these microphones. Yeah, they're nice microphones, though. <laughs> yeah. Being a former broadcaster. Of sorts. Well, uh, I gonna, can appreciate it. If we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. Yeah. Right. We don't want to. We don't want to sound like we're calling in on a telephone. No. So. Exactly. Although maybe maybe people would wish that because our voices made it. We maybe we may have maybe they and, wish that we would be talking right. at all. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we have faces and voices, not even for radio. Um, but uh, like I said, we had a great conversation with the governor, and now, without further ado, here's Governor Bill Lee. And our first guest today, we're very excited and honored to be with him. We used to call him Bill, but now we call him Governor. <laughs> That's right. Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee. Um, he, he's our 50th governor, and he's doing a fantastic job for us, and we're honored to be with you here at the Tennessee Residence today, Where Governor. we wanted to do this at the RV. That's right. <laughs> but they wouldn't let us do it at the RV. It's still parked. Okay, good. So, yeah, it's waiting, but it's still parked. Okay, good to know it's and still around. We, and you all know we've spent... The three of us have spent a lot of time on that RV. That's right. right. And, you know, it's, we try, you know, it's interesting, you know, how, how staff changes. If, if I were still communications director, I would have said no to this a long time ago. So (laughs) I'm glad that Lane is there now because this is certainly something I would not have approved. So 
Um, we're glad that that, that change is good. Well, um, I'm, I'm honored to be your first podcast. It's yeah. great to be on this show. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we're going to start with a hard hitting question yep. because we just we have to we have to get this out in the air first. Of the two former senior staffers named Chris, <laughs> which one is your favorite? You know, uh, I'm I've, uh, I'm not a politician, but I've learned a thing or two. <laughs> I love you both. <laughs> we had to get that out there. Yeah, yeah I just want to make sure. It's like kids; they want to know which one's the yeah. favorite. Yeah. Um, but seriously, you know, we're uh, we've been through a lot. You know, we've we've kind of helped helped uh kind of from those early days on the campaign to now you're we're here at the tennessee governor's residence and it's just it's an amazing journey i will say that both of you all certainly had pivotal key roles early on and when i was beginning this journey and uh you helped me get here and you you played a big big role in that so i i'm grateful thank you well it was uh it was our privilege it was it you were you were the right guy at the right time and so having said that, yep. we're talking about the RV. I can't help but ask. I'm sitting there at my, with my uh, pajamas on, watching. I hate to say this, I'm wearing my pajamas while you were doing your state of the state address. <laughs> we'll, we'll edit that. Anyway, out I was uh, watching. Uh, you're TV. not on. You're not on staff anymore. Are <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm watching TV and I'm watching State of the State, and my jaw drops when you said you're going to do another 95 county tour. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, I think the best part about um, running for governor and being the governor is getting away from the Capitol and reminding yourself that this is about regular, everyday Tennesseans out there. And so if you interact with them and you see them and you talk to them and you get out in the counties and you go to the county seats and you go to the farms and the small businesses and, and the, the big uh, urban areas, when you get out and meet people, that's how you remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go to every county once again. You know, part of it is uh, we, we're going to, we're going to, not as a campaign effort, but to celebrate the state's 225th anniversary. This is the 225th year of the statehood for Tennessee. Um, we're going to kick that off on June 1st, and we're going to start going to every part of the state to celebrate that. So we're asking counties to uh, create an event and we're asking local leaders to submit stories. We're trying to get information about regular Tennesseans changing lives out there and to celebrate the people of Tennessee who make this absolutely the best state in the country. You know, you talked about the state and you, clearly there's a passion for it. And, you know, we've been through a lot you know, in your mm -hmm. first couple of years as governor. But, you know, we'll get back to some of that in a minute. But, you know, it's we've got just this hopeful time here. We're kind of seemingly to turning around the corner of the pandemic. And uh, your office has done some good announcements on that over the past couple of days. What are you looking forward to? Like, how, what can we look forward to from a state as you're leading it? You know, what, what do we see in the years and months ahead as, as uh, you know, turning turning this corner? And, and, and what are you excited about as, as we're kind of approaching this, this opportunity? You know, uh, COVID-19 was a historic season in this country and certainly in, in, in this state. But one of the things it did is it allowed me to have the opportunity to see just how unique Tennessee is. Uh, we do have some things here. I tell people all the time, you know, we're really fortunate to be Tennesseans. Um, and 
I say that because I have the privilege of interacting with governors from all over the country. I, I head up the Public Policy Committee of the Republican Governor Association. I also sit on uh, as a co-chair of one of the committees of the National Governors Association, with its, which is both Democrats and Republicans. I talk to governors around the country about the issues they're facing, the challenges they have, the situation in their individual states. Uh, we are very fortunate to be Tennesseans, from, from fiscal policy uh, to economic opportunities here that are happening, the growth of our state, the, the hope that we as a state have for what's coming uh, ahead of us. So w what I've learned is Tennessee is uniquely positioned, I really do believe, for the next season. And, and we, we are in a new season. I said that yesterday when I had a press conference. I said, you know, we're in a new season in this state, and it's time to move on. We had a, we had a global pandemic. We had a health crisis, but the crisis is over. We now have a public health situation that we have to deal with uh, to manage that public health issue called COVID-19 and the risks associated with it. But we manage risk every day as Tennesseans and a, a number of risks are part of our lives. And, and that's what this is now. So we need to move on. Mm -hmm. We need to, we have reopened this state. We've been open for months, but now we're doing so in some of the, in some of the cities and counties that had restrictions because the way the law is set up in the state, the, the state doesn't control every municipality or every county. But we're, we're moving forward and we're opening up and, you know, we're going to have concerts again and conventions again and, and proms and parades and weddings. And we need to do that. Uh, but we also, so we need to keep living and move forward. But we also need to make sure that our economy is in full force again. And I think we have that to look forward to. We have a reopening and a resurgence of um, Tennessee's economy and therefore opportunity for people and an opportunity for us to live life again. You've gone through tornadoes, floods, pandemic, more tornadoes. We might get concerned if the rivers turn to blood here yeah, soon. Yeah. But, uh, Economic I mean, downturns, yes, the fastest yes. downturn in the country's yeah. history. Uh, civil unrest that occurred all over the country and certainly all across Tennessee last year. Uh, bombing on Christmas. We've had uh, quite a year in yeah, the last year. In the last year, you know, for when sure. we campaigned, you know, we were talking about you were an outsider and you were, you know, we you, you're in a quarter billion dollar year business. And how did all that lead to you being able to manage all these multiple crises? I mean, it's you're you're literally been thrown into some of those tumultuous times in our state's history in such a condensed amount of time. I mean, that's that's just a lot for one person to manage. How have you done it? Yeah, so one person doesn't manage it. This is a team effort, and it's a. And the people of Tennessee manage it. So, you know, from the beginning of the pandemic, I, I called upon Tennesseans over and over again. Government, government's not the solution or the answer. We create an environment. When there's a crisis, government implements, uh, you know, actions that, that protect its people. But the people are the ones that, that meet the crisis of the day. And Tennesseans have certainly done it. And assuming and understanding what personal responsibility is through a crisis uh, but I will say, too, the experience I had in the private sector, you know, I'm 61 years old, so I've had a, 
I, I'm not a young man, and and I was in business for 35 years. And that included, when you're in business for 35 years, that includes crises in your business. It includes real difficult financial seasons. We certainly had some terrific challenges financially in our company over the years uh, and had to make some really hard decisions at some really difficult times. My own personal life has had some serious tragedy and crisis in it. Uh, those life experiences uh, leading up to this job have certainly given me a perspective on how to handle crisis. But, but also, you know, uh, my experiences besides running a company, but raising a family uh, through tragedy in, in some ways, that, that experience itself, my involvement in, um, in nonprofits and in organizations outside of my company gave me exposure to some really important issues in this state. I worked in uh, a prison reentry program for 20-something years, and that gave me a perspective about criminal justice reform, and uh, we, we can talk about what that has turned into as governor for me. I worked with uh, at-risk youth in the inner city and got involved in educational reform ideas around how to make our schools better, especially for those who are in the toughest schools in our state. That has equated to policy now that I'm the governor. So I'm grateful for life's experiences that have uh, outside of government that have allowed me to bring those experiences to bear as my role and my role as governor. Yeah, so it's Thursday, just to give some time frame, it's Thursday, April, or Wednesday, April 28th, and criminal justice reform is moving through the legislature. It's something that you've pushed for, just tell us a little bit about. Yeah, so I did, I did work in a prison reentry program. I mentored men coming out of prison uh, over the years in my work with that nonprofit. My eyes were, were opened to the complexities of the criminal justice system, uh, the humanity of the criminal justice system, and the need for continuous improvement. You know, when, when you do run a company, you have strategic planning sessions every year, you have continuous improvement plans, you know that you can never sit still. You have to constantly be adjusting and, and getting better at what you do in the way you serve your customers, the way you serve your, your employees, uh, for me, that was true of the criminal justice system. There have been many decades of approaches that didn't have the outcomes that we'd hoped for as a country. And we found ourselves in a, in a situation where um, decades of bad policy were just magnifying the number of prisons and the number of people incarcerated, and yet the crime rates continue to rise. So something was wrong with that picture. And so I got very engaged in this issue outside of the public life. And then when I became governor, it was one of the things I ran on. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that 95% of people sitting in a jail cell are going to get out and they're going to enter our communities. And if we don't do something different, they're going to keep recommitting crimes and going back at a terrific pace, about 50% recidivism rate in our state. And that, that's more crime, it's more victims, it's more cost to taxpayers. There has to be a way to work on the reentry side of it. And then there's the 
who goes into prison side of it and why. And the fact that uh, mental health and substance abuse has so much to do with who is being incarcerated. And many times that we, we find through evidence, and this is not just gut feel, this is evidence over the years that incarcerating the wrong people has a negative impact on the crime rate, has a negative impact on, uh, on the whole system. So I got very involved in it, um, talked to a lot of experts. Uh, there is a very conservative way to approach criminal justice reform. Uh, I had a panel just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Newt Gingrich was involved in that panel. Uh, Rick Perry, the former uh, Texas governor, uh, Pat Nolan, who heads up the American Conservative Union, or had a had a big piece in the uh, American Conservative Union. That um, those national conservative voices understand that criminal justice reform is a way to be tough on crime, and we cannot we cannot uh, emphasize enough that there needs to be penalty and severe penalty in the right places. So we have to be tough on crime, but we also have to be smart mm-hmm. on crime. And how do we reduce the cost of taxpayers and the cost of lives? And so that is coming to fruition in our state. I'm very excited about the fact that we're going to pass sweeping uh, reforms. And we did so with bipartisan uh, support. Uh, the, every the, the Senate has passed on the floor with no dissenting votes. The House had one out of 99 uh, members, one dissenting vote. This is something that uh, I'm excited about, yeah. and it's it's been really important to Congratulations. me. Congratulations. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, you campaigned on it. Yeah, I, mean, I did. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about it. Made ads about it and everything. Yep. It's, it's yep. come, come to fruition. It's it great. It sure has. Feels good, right? It feels really good. <laughs> you know, you, you deal with a lot of stuff in this job, but every now and then you have to be reminded uh, people's lives are changed by the decisions that you make and the policy that you pursue. And I got into this to make life better for people, and uh, this is going to make life better for people. There were there are children who won't go to prison. There are families that will stay together. There's a crime rate that will fall. There are prisons that won't be built, and uh, and there's taxpayer money that won't be spent on a system that is wasn't and isn't given the outcomes we need, but it, but there's a lot of evidence to show that that can be different. That's awesome. Speaking of things that don't feel good, yep. um, we have a new president in Washington. <laughs> you yeah, can't we be want, partisan. We're we not going to make you be partisan. <laughs> we want to know you're, something. You're, I work for you're, the RNC. You're, you're, you do not. Um, but, you know, there are changes, right? I yeah. Mean, we've, uh, how, how have there been differences between working with the Trump administration in your first two years and now working in the Biden administration these first few months, he's now, you know, reaching 100 days this this week as, as, as we're recording. Um, what have been some differences? What, what, what has been the, the reception to uh, governors compared to previous administrations? I mean, pull us behind the curtain a little bit and let us know. Well, you know, the, the biggest difference, the stark difference uh, right off the bat was is policy related. I mean, dozens of executive orders right off the bat that were that were, in my view, were real government overreach and into states, coming into states and telling immediately through executive order, you have to start doing this in your state. For governors who understand that 
you know, this, this country is built on the sovereignty of states and the 10th Amendment is real and we have an obligation to, to hold that up and to, to defend it. Um, the people of Tennessee need to have their leadership deciding what happens in Tennessee, not the federal government deciding what needs to happen here. So that, that policy switch was stark and you felt it from day one. And then, of course, my disagreement with policy, we, we've seen uh, border policy dramatically change in 100 days. We have tens of thousands of children in this country in the last 100 days that have come here, been trafficked, they've been separated from their families, they're being placed you know, quietly and secretly by the federal government into states like Tennessee with no visibility from state government. We have no idea what's being, uh, what's being done there. We were asked to participate in housing these uh, unaccompanied minors that have been trafficked into, the, into this country and, and we declined that. And the reason we did was because that, that is enabling a policy that will just hurt more children, that will create an even greater trafficking situation for the cartels in Mexico. We, we can't incentivize a policy that is a humanitarian crisis. And, and, and by incentivizing it, you create a greater humanitarian crisis. So, you know, border policy, the federal funding policy that the decisions and how federal funding was made, you know, the, the federal funding has been decided on states. In part, one of the decisions was which states have the highest unemployment rate and we'll send them more money, as opposed to the Trump administration who distributed federal funding based on population. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is a reward to states who have run their economies poorly and who have high unemployment levels. So now they get rewarded for that by getting additional money. That's a, that's a really good example of a difference, an initial and immediate difference in policy. And then my strong disagreement that, uh, you know, these federal trillions of federal dollars are gonna be paid for by a massive tax increase on businesses. And that's not corporate America, that is mom and pop businesses, it's small businesses, it's every job creator in this country. When they have, when their taxes, their, you know, business taxes are increased by 30%, that business, uh, they have to lay people off or they have to raise their prices or they have to do something that is not good for Americans. And so those are a few of the, those are a few of the policy decisions. The other thing that's really different is just the interaction between the administration and the government. So we have weekly calls. Yeah, because you had a great yeah. relationship yeah. with Yeah, the, and we had we had these calls with the Trump administration, all the governors, Republicans and Democrats, um, you know, to deal with the COVID situation. Their their COVID nineteen team uh, had weekly calls where they were Zoom calls. We were all on video. You could interact with the vice president. Was there every week because he led the he led the calls. So we had personal interaction with the vice president and, and the president came on probably once a month and did the call for an hour. Um, we have those weekly calls and the president hasn't been on them. Mm. Uh, the vice president was on once for maybe five or 10 minutes. Wow. Um, but the, the interaction with 
the president himself and the vice president is really different. That's a very clear contrast in the way that we as governors, uh, Democrats and Republicans, interact with the administration. Wow. Wow. It's unity. It's been different. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I just had to say that. Yeah. So digressing from yeah. that, yeah. Uh, you and the First Lady do spend time at your farm. Yeah, we do every but weekend. But you do have, you do live, we're here at the residence. Yep. Have things changed like with your morning routine? I know that you both have different morning routines, yeah. but you are, you are both morning people, if I recall. We are. Yep, we are. And, and it is, you know, life is very different. We lived on the farm. I lived there most all of my life and um so to live <laughs> to live in town is a switch <laughs> but also to live in this you know residence is quite a change um our we are morning people so i get up really early and i usually work out in the mornings and i have a time of you know reading and praying and and quiet time as you call it and uh and maria too and so we we found our rhythm here. We do go home every Friday, pretty much every Friday afternoon, unless you know we have events or there's reasons to travel. But we go to the farm every weekend. It's a great opportunity for us to um, reconnect together. We we're, we obviously work. We do this job together. We we do a lot of things together. But it's a busy life, and it's nice to uh, relax. A little bit. We work on the weekends, some certainly, and there are reasons to be places on Saturdays. Hardly ever on Sunday. We try to hold that aside. But it, yep, it's a different routine. But we're we're kind of settled into it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. What uh, you know, we we used to like like to talk sports. Yeah. Um, you know, with the change in sports this past year, I mean, has it been oh, harder to find it? Oh. I mean, you know, just. Yeah. What, 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 how are you finding an escape right now? Because you've got to have to have something sometimes. It yeah. Can't just be the farm video. Yeah. No, <laughs> the farm video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I do. The, the farm is an escape. I, I, you know, I like to hunt. You know, I like to fish. You know, I like to uh, spend time with my family. So the, the other thing about this job is you leave the private sector and you come into this job and you create a whole new team of people and there's a whole new universe of people that you are now working with every day. And, and in some ways you have to abandon, completely abandon your, your old life. Um, I don't have any involvement with the company that I worked for for 35 years and I don't interact with those folks on a daily basis like I used to. M many of them I haven't seen since I left, wow. uh, since I yeah. left. And and the same with relationships. It's really, uh, it's a, a, an enormous change in your life, but uh, it's, it's the right thing to do. But what I was going to say is I decided that there were a few relationships and especially my family that I really did not want to suffer in this process. So I do spend time with my kids. Yeah, my, you're my, with your son. The yeah, day, right? that's right. Yep. My kids are grown, and I see my mom every weekend. I see my brothers and sisters. There are nine of our family households that are on the farm. So uh, when I go to the farm, uh, I have a lot of opportunity to reconnect with family. And we've been very committed, both Maria's family and 
and my family as well. Too. Have we finally gotten Stay cell service out there? We do. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> we even have internet out Message there now. Received. We have uh, broadband. Wow. We have broadband to the thank to you, the farm. unnamed internet service provider. It took it took like three years. President call you? You know, it took when you were yeah. first elected. Yeah. And yeah. you had to like drive down the road. That's right. Yeah. I had to take my first call from the president on a cell phone, sitting at the end of the farm road because we don't have cell service. But that's improved, and yeah, we ha- and we have broadband now, so I can do Wi-Fi calling. Talk about the campaign and you know some stories. Is, you know we, we we love to talk about some of our favorite memories. You know, let let the internet know some. You know, some, what are some of your favorite campaign stories, and maybe some favorite stories as governor? That you, <laughs> you know, or, so uh, or feel free to say you all of your favorite yeah, stories so, about me directly if you want. So you all know because you uh, ran my campaign and you helped me from the beginning that we were not the likely candidate, and we were not the ones that people turned out in droves to see at the beginning, and we. Um, uh, Maria and I have a great story. We, so we, you all know this, we set up these town halls where we would drive the RV to a spot in a county, went to every county, and we'd have a gathering there. We'd have a town hall and or whatever we wanted to call it, but it was a gathering of people to say, hey, I'm running for governor. I want to introduce myself to you. And um, <laughs> and sometimes there were a couple people there. And yeah, sometimes I there remember. Were, early on, there were eight or ten people. And, and on one occasion in particular, uh, we pulled up to the little barbecue the pig and shack, chick. the pig and chick. <laughs> yep. And uh, we said, I leaned over to Maria and I looked out in the parking lot and I said, you know what, Maria? I don't think there's one person here. <laughs> so this is our stop. Uh, we got out. We went in. That and, was Walker's fault. Uh, yeah, I was there. yeah. I think I Walker. There. Yeah, I, I think Walker. Vividly. I remember. <laughs> I won't say Walker had set that one up, but uh, I remember. I remember you saying that to Maria. Just kidding. And I was trying to figure out how to make this right. Make like, us okay, feel better. How are we gonna? How are we gonna spend this? How are we gonna spend this? Yes. And the county party chair came. I think. 20 late. minutes late. Yeah, yeah yes. it was late. And, and that uh, was fine. And we had a great time <laughs> talking to them and the servers at the restaurant. And it was a good stop. That We went from that to, uh, to uh, obviously, maybe one of the best moments on the campaign was our last, uh, the last day before we did our drive across the state. And we had our homecoming event in my high school gym. And hundreds of people turned out. And uh, it was it was quite a switch from one to the other. I, so my, my, I'll tell my real quick best memory. Um, the first day of early voting. So we'd been behind in polls, you know, the whole race for a year and a half and couldn't seem to get there. And the first day of early voting that morning, our polling showed that we had gone up by one point and over the others, which was in some ways just shocking you know that we actually were ahead and and we were ahead in the polling on the first day of early voting um we walked in we were doing our drive through from one town to the other and we were campaigning like crazy in the rv and we stopped in cumberland county at a little coffee shop and we walked in the door and there were people when we driving into town you could see the polling booths and people were voting and i was like gosh maria it's it's voting day like people are voting and mm-hmm. I walked into this little coffee shop and this guy kind of looked at me funny from across the room. And you know, when you're campaigning, you go up to everybody and you shake their hand. I walked up to this guy and I said, hello, sir, I'm Bill Lee. And he looked at me real funny. He said, I know who you are. I just voted for you. And it absolutely took me back. 
I, it floored me. I, I, I thought to myself, here's a guy who doesn't know me and has never met me, probably knows very little about me, and yet he walked into a voting booth and he, he really put his trust in me by punching a button to, to vote my name. I took it very seriously. Uh, it was a sobering moment, but it reminded me that the people are counting on us. Those people, those of us who get elected by the people, we have a tremendous obligation to think of them when we make decisions and when we lead and when we serve and when we go out there. And them is every single person in the state. And it's not just the people that voted for you. It's every single citizen in the state. Regardless of where they agree with you or like you or support you, you're there to serve them. And I, I, I felt it powerfully that day, and it's I've never forgotten it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's you were awesome. there. Y'all were there. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. You talked about RGA and NGA. Yeah. You know. Who are some of the governors that people like to hang out with at these events? Oh. Know, what, what are, what's the social dichotomy? So we're things? having the... Don't the, get in trouble with this yeah, answer. Yeah, so the next big... Don't you don't want to hang next out with big, no, like to hang Yeah, out. the next big RGA event's in Nashville. So they're yeah. having... A, at the end of May, we're having... And so far, I think there's 22 governors uh, that are going to be at this event, which is most of the Republican governors. So we're very excited about that. We're excited about hosting it. And... Um, it's interesting because you do get to know these men and women. Um, some of them you really hit it off with. The, the, the governor from Oklahoma has become a very good friend of mine, uh, Kevin Stitt. Uh, governor Abbott is somebody that I enjoy interacting with. Um, he's, a, he's a great governor. He does a great job. We, we enjoy. And, and all, of these, all of these folks are different. Um, Kim Reynolds from Iowa she is one sharp lady, and we we talk about issues. Uh, we talk about work that we're trying to do together. So I, I actually, as the chairman of the Public Policy Committee, I moderate a call every Tuesday night uh, of governors. And so we have about 15 governors on the call. Usually it's different governors, different mm -hmm. times. But um, it, it's been fascinating getting to know them. Doug Ducey, mm -hmm. Pete Ricketts. Uh, Charlie Baker, Chris Sununu, uh, Christy Nome, Ron DeSantis, uh, Brian Kemp. You know these uh, Brad Li really Brad Little from Idaho. I mean the, these guys are uh, and ladies are are very um, they're very smart people and they have unique challenges and individuals, but they're servants and mm. I've loved the privilege and the and the opportunity to get to know them. Walker, I don't know if I have a whole lot else, but oh, we kind of reached our time anyway. Jade's going to come over here and, and pull the pull our time, which is fine. Yeah. Um, do we have any plan at UT becoming good at football again? You know what? Every time I get on any kind of an interaction with Chris Walker, it always gets back to UT football. Gosh, I hope so. Like, I want to go to UT games and watch them win. And you know what? They're going to. I mean, it, it's time. I'm right? excited about Josh Heupel. I really I mean, am. it's time. And there's too much, uh, too much of a powerful fan base there's too much of a great, you know, sort of storied program. There's too much 
facilities. I mean, they got the best facilities in the country, and it's a great, it's a, it's a great university that, that will have a great football team. And I'm believing that, especially you. for you, Chris, well, as mate. the most, as the most uh, yeah. fervent University of Tennessee <laughs> fan. Uh, I know. Of course, I'm an SEC fan, especially. I love that. So, And now that's fun with other governors because I get to all, you know, every time I interact with some of these other governors, I'm like, I diss them all about their with conferences. The oh, yeah. yeah. How we dominate the We just need to figure out how to get Nick Saban out, I think, is the key to this to this conversation. But yeah. can we? Can you offer him a commissionership somewhere or something? It's, uh, let his good talents be used for our state oh, in a positive way. I'll let you that are in the uh, that are in the world of sports and and public relations outside of the government. Y'all y'all work on that. Y'all work there on that go. problem. I'm going to work on education reform and criminal justice reform and uh, issues that are impacting the people in our state. Well, Governor, we appreciate yeah, your time so you. much. Um, it's an honor to be with you nope. always. I'm glad to be able to do it and. Uh, very grateful for what you all do and and for what you're doing now, right? Getting the word out to people, information, podcasts, uh, reminding people of the issues that matter and the people behind those issues. And and really, you know, what I, what I have found is that in spite of the disagreements and the differences that people have across this state, I do think there's a common desire for our state to move forward. And I, I work really hard to remind people of the things that we agree upon more than those that we disagree upon. I think there's an opportunity for, um, for civility without compromising any of your, your principles or your values that in America needs to be reminded. We need to remind ourselves about why this is the greatest country in the world and and what really is great about it. It's so easy to watch the news and see what's wrong in every state and in every issue and what everyone's upset about, what people are mad about. But you got to remember that this is the greatest country in the world. There are so many great things about it. And we need to be reminded of that. We need, we need to remind one another of what is good uh, and noble and right about the people in this country and our, in our, in our state, and I want to be uh, a reminder of that and, and an encouragement in that, yes, we have huge differences, and right now it's very stark, as I said before, uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't figure out a way to keep moving toward this concept of becoming a more perfect union. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been for these hundreds of years. That's, that's what we got to keep pursuing. Well said. Thank you. Thank you all. Tennessee's 50th governor, Bill Lee, with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. And and we're back. That was a really good interview. It was. Yeah. The governor's not back. It's just me and Devaney now. Yeah, we're we're back. Um, He's gone. That was that was a really good conversation, I feel like. Some uh, some key takeaways. Uh, one, I was very impressed um, in his low-key way talking about all of his interactions with other governors, I, I, I think it's not really being reported on very well, but he's obviously um, being leaned on by a lot of his colleagues, other governors, you know, him, him talking about leading uh, a weekly policy discussion with, with multiple governors across the country, um, you know, being Which tapped. I don't think people know about. Yeah. That. Yeah. And being tapped by. Or well, realize the, what it is. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, the, 
working on, on some key committees through the NGA. Just he's obviously, you know, leading not just here but with with his peers in other states. Right. And, I mean, we hear about you know governors from some larger states that get a lot of news, but I think that Bill Lee actually is really leading on a number of issues that we just don't really hear about in the in the mainstream media. Yeah, that's right. It, it low key leadership. I mean, I, I think there's that's probably what we have to describe it. It's um, kind of a servant leadership in a way that um, doesn't doesn't make headlines or and he's not seeking headlines in it too, which is um, refreshing. You know, probably, yeah, it's probably how it's supposed to be. It's very refreshing. Um, actually. That was one take takeaway. Anything from no, you? No, I thought that you know uh, before we had recorded the before we recorded the segment with uh, Governor Lee um, that night was President Biden, and I think that his comments uh, were very interesting about the differences between President Trump and Biden and where Biden's leading the country. Um, and then we saw it, you know, two or three hours later with a State of the Union address, so to speak. Right. And um, I just thought that was very interesting what he had to say about that. Yeah, I, I thought that was right. Also, just again, his, um, we kind of talked about how can one person lead, uh, you know, through all of these tragic times, you know, just d- difficult times in the state. And he really shot back pretty quickly and said, this isn't one person that can do it. It's a team. He had a team around him and not just the team of staff, but also, uh, you know, Tennesseans overall uh, really kind of leading together. And I just, I, I was, right. it was very telling to me that he's just not going to take, take a lot of It was a reminder laps. about yeah. how he led his business, uh, successful business, and then is, is using that. Uh, experience in the governorship. Yeah. It's really, it's, it was a reminder. I mean, you know, we kind of, we both saw it on, on the campaign trail with him, but you know, it also was a reminder about how he can lead in crises because he's been thrown a lot. uh, Since he's been there. You mentioned his business, you know, he really talked some about not being with people he was with for 35 years and really making sacrifices about, being governor and not seeing those people and talking to them. And you could almost sense, a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a longing for, for some of that time back. Yeah. He misses that. He, the, he yeah. misses, uh, he misses the folks at his old company. Yeah. You could tell that. I don't know if you really could tell it uh, in the interview right. uh, on audio, but in the room with him, uh, he definitely, you can see it, that. Yeah. which is another great thing about him. He, he, uh, he's truly loyal to the people um, who he's been with all along, and uh, and it's, it, it shows in, in how he's led the, the, the state so far. So we're very lucky to have him, and uh, we're lucky, we're thankful he joined us for our first podcast. Uh, Devaney, so you want, who do we have next week? What, who do we have next week? Let me look. Let me look. House Speaker Cameron Sexton will be joining us next week. That'll be very interesting. I'm excited to talk to him. We, we're, we're, we're starting off with a bang here, Devaney. We've got House Speaker and Governor... Back-to-back weeks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. I've known Cameron Sexton since we were both field reps in the 90s and to kind of see how he got to where he is leading state government. And I just think it'll be a really interesting interview. I think so, too. He's and he's and He came into Speaker the year of COVID, and so it's been a unique challenge for him. Right. Uh, just it's, it's not your typical speakership already. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things and also have some have some fun questions, too. Like I said, we don't want to 
We don't want to be so serious that people fall asleep while they're driving in their cars. No, so we do not want we that. Don't, we don't want that. We're at about all. safety. Exactly, safety and and some fun. So, we've got Cameron coming. So, up if people next week. want to find us, where where do they go? Uh, that's a good question, Devaney. It's almost like we're in marketing here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Twitter at Poplar Group. Uh, you can follow me at Walker UT. Follow you at what, Devaney? Well. I ran out of, uh, it was a joke when I first started it. Former chairman on Twitter. <laughs> and now people call you former chairman in the hallways. Yes, it's the, it's the best thing, actually. Uh, love my time as chair, but uh, Are we gonna former have, chairman is can, good, too. Is it going to change to commissioner now? Do we need to No, we do to not need to go there, okay. but okay. Uh, that's uh, I'm honored to have that as well. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, poplargroup.com. Poplar if you have any questions, comments, or even ideas about people to interview. Yeah, we're uh, we're excited. To, we've had a lot of announcements this year, Devaney. We've started a new firm. We've started a newsletter. And we've uh, started a new podcast here. And in addition, you know, we're obviously working with our clients and teams on, on a lot of issues that are coming out there. And we're having a lot of fun doing it. So uh, we appreciate Governor Lee again one more time spending time with us today. We look forward to speaking with Speaker Sexton next week. And with that, we hope everyone has a great day, evening, whatever time you're listening to this. And we appreciate you. See you soon.